0: My Viewfinder is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community-supported. This is My Viewfinder. Here's a quick message from one of our partners, Park Power. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your energy from. If you switch retailers, nothing changes about the delivery of electricity or natural gas to your home or business. If you have an existing contract, you're going to want to find out the terms for leaving. And if you don't, it's even easier to sign up for Park Power. The choice is yours, and there's a better deal available to you. Learn more at parkpower.ca. Last episode, we left off with my friend Nick speaking about how imagery and iconography in religion are meant to connect the viewer to a broader spiritual experience. To me, this parallels photography. And with both photography and religion getting stuck in the definitions or the surface levels, which Nick calls the scientistic approach, we end up explaining away or losing our connection to a spiritual experience. Here's the rest of our talk, and tell me what you think. Like, what is it that changed for you? Uh, I mean, you were always going to study religion, I think, even from the beginning that I met you, uh, as angry as you were about it. But... uh, um yeah where does that softening happen and it doesn't have to be necessarily a single event of course but um cuz I'm 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 fascinated with you bringing up this idea of uh, let's call yeah, what is the does Lonergan call it the taste of fulfillment
1: um yeah the experience of unrestricted being in love yeah
0: yeah so i mean i don't even remember when you found Lonergan. was it after you, i left but i mean yeah t- tell me about uh, a little bit about what is was there something that widened your faith um that helped you continue to pursue this
1: yeah um well I mean there's yeah I mean again big question too I mean I'm just I'm constantly concerned that you want me to talk about images and stuff but I mean if we want to just go in general i'm I'm happy to do that uh, I mean I think for me uh, being introduced to Bernard lonergan a Canadian Jesuit philosopher and theologian I was introduced to his work during undergrad when we met um i I guess it would have been in third and fourth year i you know, took a few courses with a guy named Michael Verton, who was a professor of philosophy and theology at uh, the University of Toronto. And um, he actually ended up becoming my my MDiv, my Master's of Divinity Thesis Director, and he was also my PhD director as well. Um, So, yeah, I think you can say that meeting him was pretty transformative for me, and reading Lonergan was pretty transformative for me. and, And I would say in two ways. The first way, Lonergan, sort of his emphasis on, Self-appropriation on, um, you know, the subject, you know, taking sort of open-eyed control of his or her sort of uh, desire for knowledge and value, um, and 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 sort of sort of critical self-possession as being integral to a mature sort of understanding of religion and Christianity in particular, and you know, I, I sort of realized that Lonergan helped me realize that I could stay a religious believer and also be a critical thinker and that was a big deal for me um, and at the same time Lonergan made religion come alive for me uh, in a deeper way because of his emphasis on religious experience um, you know in, in the broad sense that I've been talking about since we, we got on here today right that, that sort of sacramental mentality the way in which and this is the way the tradition has always spoken right everything in in creation every person, every image, every object, every event, every encounter, you know, can potentially mediate an encounter with God. And, you know, I think I was looking for the language to be able to pinpoint and identify that experience in my own life. I suspect I'd had those. I mean, I was having those experiences. I just wasn't able to name them. And, you know, Lonergan talks about how, you know, he draws on Abraham Maslow's notion of uh, peak experiences, right? And Maslow's very clear on this that you know peak experiences or religious experiences are not things that you know you need to be a monk you know spending twelve hours a day and study in a cell you know in a monastery in the middle of nowhere or you need to be you know uh, a saint who you know never sins although we know sin you know, saints obviously sin and often sin more than others that everybody's having these experiences all the time that you don't need to be you know that we're all in some sense mystics right? Whether or not we're aware of it or not. And I think, yeah, I mean, Lonergan helped me pinpoint in my own life, in my own experience, moments of what the Christian tradition would call grace. Um, Grace in the sense of gift, right? I mean, I didn't work to feel this way. Um, These feelings, you know, sort of overcome you. And uh, as a Christian, I name them in Christian terms, Right? I name them in Christian categories. I'll speak about, you know, the gift. it's an experience of the gift of the Spirit, or it's an experience of encounter with Jesus Christ. Um, but other people in other traditions will name those experiences in different ways. And, you know, and atheists as well. Atheists, you know, some if you're a scientific sort of you know, person, you may try, as I said, you'll try to explain it away. You'll, you'll say, well, it's the result of, you know, some synapses firing in your brain. Everybody has to interpret the experience. And I don't think those two those two interpretations are you know mutually exclusive, um, but I think the religious dimension adds something. And uh, yeah, Lonergan helped me connect with that, and that was super helpful for me. And yeah, and so when I when I talk with students about you know religion and, and what it means for them and their personal experience of what we might call the sacred or the or mystery, etc., yeah, I'll use those examples from my own life. Um, I'm a nature mystic, so when I go camping, I'm looking at the stars or a beautiful sunset. We have a lot of those in Vancouver when when it's not raining, um, you, you know, uh, uh, or listening to my favorite music, or as I said, being at the bar even with friends, you know, um, where you're overcome by gift, and that experience is an experience of already being in a love relationship with mystery, and. If you, I mean you have to ask that further question, what is that experience of?" And you know, from a Christian perspective, you say, "Well, who is this other that I find myself in love with that I find myself attracted to in the Christian tradition, as I said, you know will name that in a certain way, other people will uh, will name it in different ways, but yeah th- I mean I help try to do my best to to allow the, give the students the space to think about that. You can imagine how they don't really want to talk about that, especially not in front of their friends. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, well, that's yeah, that becomes a psych- psychological discussion, I think. But <laughs> no, I love it. You know what? I, what I hear as a very, very shorthand um, is uh, is this idea of accessibility. Um, like we build a lot of walls for whatever many different reasons to to stay in denial. Like so, for example, having I think use the word mystical experiences, unexplainable things, emotions uh, for what should be very factual you know like the sun is going uh by the ocean so it refracts and creates a different color like nobody thinks about it that way you're you can either be moved or not moved by it but when you're moved by it it's something that actually doesn't make a lot of sense it just it just kind of happens um and as you also brought up different let's call them faith systems including science we'll find different terms through which to describe it but uh, at the very end it's still a question mark um a question mark that religious, spiritual people will call a God. It's fascinating because now I'm thinking about you know uh, photography, but art in general. Um, much like your relationship with finding Lonergan, um, is a bit of a doorway, isn't it, of uh, allowing yourself to be moved by something mystical, like uh, you know the first time somebody hears like a proper fat beat, you know, in some type of musical format there's something for example about music singing poetry whatever the art forms have taken um that can really make some people fucking freak out right like <laughs> just behave differently because there's something like we call it moving but you know it's uh it's not just drugs like you can you can get down yeah uh, sober if you uh <laughs> if you hear the right thing right um if you can get uh, i like
1: that yeah
0: <laughs> it's no it's fun man like uh this is the thing I worry, maybe this is what I'm scared of like with photography, is that um, it's lending itself too much to what we believe is rational, literal, and complete. And it's losing this mysticism and this like either intentional or unintentional suggestion of the bigger, better, wider, ununderstandable picture. like we we're losing our ability to see God in this terms, in this conversation in things ironically because the pictures are getting better and better (laughs) the higher quality it is uh, the less we have to work for it maybe i don't know
1: yeah i mean and is it is it just the absence of god and and the mystical sort of dimension or is it even in a broader sense just the absence of that depth dimension right that um that may include other meanings and values that don't necessarily need to be religious um I don't, I don't know how that works in the world of photography, like where the image is just, it's it sort of, quote unquote, speaks for itself. Um, almost where as if photos become sort of simple signs, like an exit sign, it means one thing, it's an exit sign. Um, or like a stop sign, it's very clear what the meaning of a stop sign is, although even for a stop sign, you know, if you'd been in an accident, for example at an intersection, that's going to have deeper meaning for you. But I mean, most people look at a stop sign and it means one thing, very simply. Whereas I think all images as symbols, as symbols have that sort of deeper, symbols are signs with deeper meaning. Are we missing out on that? And as one part of that, we're missing out on the on the sort of mystical or spiritual dimension as well. And does that let us, in in one sense... Is that what the sort of powers that be want us to think that the the meaning of images are simple? You know what I mean? And 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 sort of surface level and keep you know and that and that keeps us from questioning the sort of meanings and values that are very clearly implicit uh, uh in them. I don't know, that's a really good question.
0: We yeah, we stumble onto this uh conspiratorial thing about intent and so I don't know, yeah, is is it complex in its, uh, it's weird. It's like complex in one sense because there are so many different arguments, but it's so simplified because people aren't really thinking about it deeply either. And th- that's the thing for me that drives me in this conversation about photography. I think speaking to you, it's, it's great because you get a, a broader context about, um, I mean, thinking process, but maybe more the believing process. Like how do you choose what hill you're going to die on? Um you spend a lot of time in academics and you want to read many different arguments and to choose something that you want to believe in. But it's a tough thing to do. I mean, you've dedicated your whole life to this, right? Uh, And it's not something...
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, as you can tell, not not very much to aesthetics and art. (laughs) Well, I think it is. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got very little to (laughs) say specifically about that.
0: Talking about, let's say, like semantics and terms. Yeah, I mean, you aren't using fucking defined art <laughs> terms, but these are the same conversations, right? Sure. Uh, intent, uh, interpretation. Um, I mean, I, I like all photographers, but I don't like getting into conversations with photographers about technology. Like, it, it bores me, at least against surface level conversations, always about gear. You know aperture widths, you know effects, all this kind of shit, and those are important from a tool perspective. It's like uh us arguing about the paperweight of the books that we read, right so you know you've got a, a you know philosophy one one book, I get the same book, but yours is uh you know like the Calvin Hobbs hardcover print on this beautiful fucking uh super thick high quality and minds this paperback novel piece of shit at the end of the end, the content's actually more important. Than the tool through which you experience that medium. But that's a hard conversation to have with people, not just in photography, but uh, in life. Like, how many more people will talk to you about what version of the iPhone they have versus what they're capable of doing with that phone? Um, but this is why talking to a philosopher is interesting because uh, we can't, we don't have to get trapped. Like, you're worried about having to use photography or image terms. I actually think the conversation is better without it.
1: So I mean you 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 what you just said I mean I was struck by how you know you're not wanting to you're not not being interested in this sort of technology and and the tools of the trade I mean they serve a purpose I mean and that makes sense to me as well um so what are you interested in talking to photographers about
0: I don't know I think um you know when when this started I thought I would be able to poke at a single theme mostly that uh, photography as a practice is essentially inherently corrupt that no matter how much we want to be idealists and artists and pure whatever the fuck that means that the power of an image is misunderstood and ultimately corrupting
1: and what's what's corrupting about it though i'm, I'm curious
0: uh, i don't know and and this is this is a lot of the pushback in my mind in my experience I think it creates false idolatry, number one, um, because it's creating literal image that people think that they have to conform to physically. Um, so it's lost any kind of deeper rooted meaning in like, uh, let's say, intended, whatever, morality, philosophy, thought process, psychology, that stuff's gone. Like you're talking about surface level versus depth. And we're getting to this point, and again, I'm being very old and very judgmental, where an image will flip by... And my only instinct is that either I need to look like or own whatever is represented, or I don't, and I feel bad for it. Uh, number two, the politicization of this stuff. So, in other words, whatever even the photographer's original intended meaning is not uh, is not expressed. And that that's a looser one because I mean, what is the photographer's original meaning? I don't even know how to answer that question. But my fear is, like we're talking about COVID. We talk about politics, we talk about Trump, we talk about, uh, what's his name, Doug Ford. Like, So people with our biases, we question, how do these people have so much marketing uh, power, right? Because they seem uh, kind of like buffoons to us often. Um, but there's so many other people that see the images and interpret them in a fundamentally different way. One that causes a very bipolar schism, because it's like hate speech all of a sudden. It's not like, it's just not how the world is anymore. And I think photography has a, a maybe not a, like a intended role, but it plays this problem. Is uh, photography, including film, television, and and multi and mass media, um, because it's um, this technology that evolved that. Idealistically, it was supposed to show us this moment captured in the real, like we we're talking about, in the real, tangible, scientific world. It's irrefutable because this lens captured this light at this angle. It was projected onto, you know, in the old days, you know, silver nitrate plate, film, whatever the fuck it is, and therefore you have to, you have to have faith in that more than you have to have faith in your own thought process more than you have to have faith in all this other stuff. Um, now, that's me. That's my idea of it. Uh, frankly, it's probably more a philosophical discussion than anything, uh, sociological, psychological, political.
1: I mean, it sounds, it, but it sounds like a conversation you should be having for all of those reasons, right? Like, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like that's precisely the conversation that needs to happen. Um, and so when you take photos, Dave, like, I'm curious, like, I mean, why do you take photos? and why do you choose to take photos of certain things?
0: Uh that's the that's the main question. I think at least the overview is this, you know, initially I got a camera out of my what I thought would be my midlife crisis turns out that was just the beginning of the descent into hell for me but um so it became this uh you know mystical uh unintentional and intuitive outlet. You know, I was losing my mind. I thought I would treat myself uh, out of bitterness, I got this bonus check for the flood work and I I, I just hated my life. So I took that money instead of doing something uh, right social with it. I bought myself this camera and I just started walking around taking pictures. So there's uh, an innocence to that and, and no forethought, of course. Um, as it develops and as my life kind of took its main dip, uh, it became something that was um, you know hobbyist but i started putting a lot of energy into it um i didn't research it historically like many of my friends do i, I i'm not somebody that and you know this i was like this in philosophy school too it's like i didn't go and fucking actually borrow every book and and read every philosopher i, I just i don't know i wanted something more intuitive um uh, i'm not really a rational thinker as it turns out so um I went out, I just started taking different types of fo- photographs, and then I started getting attracted to just street photography. So I'm out taking pictures of strangers. And then I just had this intuition I needed to manipulate them. So I started building these weird images, uh, overlaying layers, combining stuff, altering them. And I just got obsessed with uh, this post-production stuff. And then, I mean, uh, I call myself now an artist, but it was, it was hard to even call it art. But then there was a, one more turning point, which is I lost the job, I did all this stuff, so there's no money. And the reality is, I think, we'll see, it might be a matter of faith more than money, but I thought the reality was I need money. And then all of a sudden, my relationship with photography is fucked because even the art I'm building, I can't get this mindset that it needs to be marketable. And when it's not, it becomes a personal uh, attack. And that's my personal psychological problems, of course. so I don't know.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, you took photos at our wedding and you did a great job. Well,
0: I took photos at your wedding, and but I also love you guys. So it's it's different, right?
1: But Yeah. No, no, no. I, I got you. I got you. Yeah. No, keep going. Sorry. No, no, I didn't mean to cut it's you good. off. good. I mean, it's a great point. You got to get paid. You got to make money. I mean, theology is very similar, like ministry, right? Like <laughs> it's very difficult to make a, a, a living doing full-time sort of ministry. Most churches will say to you, well, you know, God will provide, you know, bring your guitar, you know you don't need you don't need a paycheck, and certainly when people are paid, they're not treated very well in 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 many contexts. Uh, and so you know that's always a sort of you got to get by, you got to survive. Uh, but I mean, I, I think you, for example, taking photos, even for people you don't necessarily know that well at a wedding or at a function, um, there's something very different. I, I at least from my perspective, doing that than, you know, taking photos for an advertising agency that's looking to sell a product. And I think you're very right. I mean in the sense that 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 that, that notion of images being used for advertising purposes, you know, René Girard's, you know, take on sort of the mimetic character of desire is is pretty is key here, right? I mean, we see something and we want to imitate it. And you know, images in advertising Are designed to do precisely that. If I see the person drinking that ice cold Coke, I want a Coke. That person's running on the beach with that body, I want to look like that, Um, et et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's sort of hardwired into who we are as as humans. I mean, we imitate others. Um, You know, is there a positive form of imitation, you know, that can be heightened or, you know, in some sense foregrounded through photography? I don't know. That's an interesting point. But I mean, I see you doing something, at least as I said, at least from my perspective, as different than the person who is hired to use images to sell a product. Yeah. Well, and And I mean, and I think that's part of that depth dimension, right? The experience of truth, of value, of beauty, whether or not it goes the further dimension to the to the to the religious or to the spiritual, I see you being bound up with that. When you talk about you know, your practice of taking photos and the way you sort of edit and the types of photos you're taking, especially when you need to make money in order, you know, to sort of survive. It seems like you're very much concerned with that with that depth dimension in a way that others may not be. I don't know.
0: Yeah, which, which is another, I think, <laughs> sticking point because, uh, again, you choose a, a hill to die on, right? And I think I've made some great friends here who have found a way to straddle both in some sense, and they'll be the first to tell you that the relationship are opposed. So when you work for any client in any capacity, it's a different workflow than if you go out and try to build something for yourself. And maybe my problem ultimately will be that I am not capable of uh, having a strong enough barrier between the two. I'm capable of recognizing that they require it. Um, but like you brought up, you know, with the marketing and imitation and this intent to create, you know, a message or some type of uh, um, some type of archetype, let's say, um, I don't actually personally see the difference in any client work. <laughs> and I think that when I'm lucky to work with friends and we understand each other at some level, then uh, we work together and there's this, I think, joy and connection that comes out of it. But once that one dimension is lost. Um, there are expectations often, weirder questions psychologically, philosophically, religiously of the why they want the pictures in the first place that become difficult to answer. So, for example, um, when you get married, why are we worried about getting photos of being married? You know, like the, the sort of childish question why isn't it good enough to just be married? Why do I need everybody to be able to see that I did it? Why do I need to prove to myself? Like, you know, and, and, and they're all leading questions because they, they reflect biases, right? But, um, but I think this is the thing that's getting weirder with photography is that before photography, you couldn't hire, I don't think you hire Leonardo da Vinci to come to your wedding to paint, you know, a depiction of how fucking glorious that event was. I mean, even kings and queens didn't do that generally in that era. Uh, now it's a requirement, right? There isn't a single wedding that goes by without a camera in it. And whether the requirement is to spend 10, 10 grand on somebody or like Helen and I did like 200 bucks on some instant cameras, you know, 80% of which failed, <laughs> but uh, you know, there were still cameras there, right? Like it's, you know, uh, I'm not living this uh, fucking monk life. Like we still wanted images. remember we had the laptop recording everybody like those, that footage you will never see the light of day because we had every drunk guest, Essentially, suddenly (laughs) just fucking acting the worst they could possibly act, all caught on video.
1: I remember that. (laughs) Um, So, outside of,
0: yeah, like outside of me trying to be a nice guy and not making that, like in this day and age, if we were one generation younger, maybe that's on social media as a joke. But we at least put that away, but it doesn't absolve us from having the laptop there in the first place. There was something about it that we felt we needed to record for posteriors. I mean, how egotistical is that in general,
1: right? Well, it's it's interesting, right? I mean, <laughs> I was sort of smiling as you were talking about how, you know, your, your work with clients uh, for a wedding may actually be very close to the way you think about working. You may think about working with, like, an advertising agency putting out a product, and I <laughs> that's really – I'd have to think about that a little bit more. I mean, in one sense, it's in in one sense, you're right. There's something very mimetic, and, you know, sort of, uh, there's something very mimetic about people who are getting married and sort of saying, well, everybody else had a photographer and I need to spend this X amount of dollars on it. And I need to, you know, they, they may not ever ask the deeper question, why, why I need to do this and why this may be something that I, I would like to come back to 20 years from now to remember. Um, Although there is the possibility that there is that deeper meaning, um, I mean, maybe maybe we're being cynical and just assuming that it hasn't been thought through. But I mean, I can I can say that you know, I when I'm teaching online the last month and a half, there's a there's a picture of you know uh, from my wedding that you that you took on my wall behind me, and the students uh, you know commented, "Oh, that's a lovely photo," you know, and uh, uh, I'm sort of struck by walking by it every now and then, and recognizing that, hey, that was a really special day, um, especially in the current situation we find ourselves in, where I can't see anybody I know other than in this mode. And, um, you know, reconnecting with a lot of those people in that photo, it was a photo of the entire wedding party, um, uh, only now, right? Me and you've talked more than we have in a very long time. Me and Matt, my buddy Matt had been talking more, you know, me and Ian even, like, I mean, little things like that. So I, I, I'd have to think about that some more. But I mean, there's something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could have the cynical approach to the to the wedding shots. Um, something about that. If the if the couple sees the deeper reasons for that and 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 takes some meaning out of that, twenty years or ten years down the road, something about that seems different to me than, you know taking a, a photo of an ice cold can of Coke, but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and you're
0: right. I think, uh, in, at least in so far as, uh, you know, I, I'm being cynical and judgmental about it.
1: Uh, no, I, but I think you're onto something as well. I think there is something very, like, I mean, I think people have just sort of, you know, uh, drank the Kool-Aid on that one. And it's, and I think, I think it's very mimetic. We see other people doing it and we do it. Yeah. We need a cake cutting. Why do we need, why the hell do we need a cake cutting? Well, everybody does it. I want to, I want to be like everybody else. Well, I didn't do that. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, is there, is there, yeah. Is there a way though to play the game on your own terms and then, you know, and, and, and in the process, you know, uh, shift the rules of the game, even if ever slowly.
0: And this is the, this is the capitalist slogan, at least in America is uh, this idea that you just play by your own rules and you fucking whatever. And uh, I don't know. The, qu- the answer is I have no idea. Uh, the ones that I've come across somewhere is, you know, America, which generates that lie, has the worst social mo- mobility of any developed nation. So the country and the culture that tells you you can do anything if you just put your mind to it is the one country that you cannot do anything just by putting your mind to it. And so I'm at odds where, uh yeah, you're right. I and I hear this a lot from my photographer friends. If you're just going to do it, do it for the love of the game and let it let let the chips fall where they may. Um and I think that there's a fundamentally important uh lesson there, one of faith. Um but
1: I mean, I I I I'm struck like I mean it seems like I mean it's it's something you've been saying since the beginning. I mean that this is a very much a political sort of act photography that is. And thinking about photography and, you know, uh, it also seems to me to be a political act. And, uh, you know, uh, everything is marked by this battle for meaning. I mean, you you raise the question of what's the Catholic Church's relationship with the modern world. Well, there isn't one sort of fixed answer to that. I think the Church has, we're living through this ongoing battle to determine what that relationship is. And I think photography is similar in the sense I mean, I would imagine it's similar in the sense that there's a battle for the the battle over the meaning of this practice. So part of me wants to say, well, for you to be involved politically is to is to be involved in that battle for meaning. You know what I mean? As opposed to sort of saying, well, I'm not going to allow my and I'm not saying this is what you're saying, but I'm not going to but you can sort of see how if what you're if what you are proposing would be to sort of step aside from that battle and just do your own thing. Is your art, does it become less than political then? I don't know. Or is or less than political, less than, could it be more political if you if you remained engaged? You know what I mean? About within that battle to define, yeah, the meaning of that practice. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just rambling. No,
0: I think you're hitting it. Is which is uh, uh, what you said, I think rings the truest to me, which is, is it going to be enough for me to just make pictures that I like? Or is it required that somebody else acknowledges it? And then further, is that acknowledgement enough if they're not paying me? <laughs> right? And and that's where marketing, politicization, and all of this stuff start to develop. Yeah. It's good to get a light cast on oneself. If, I feel like that needs to be the purpose of these kind of conversations anyways. I don't want to be somebody Why? that's... Yeah, telling people what to
1: think. No, no, yeah, and and I'm struck. I have to say, like, I, I the more I listen to you talk about why you're interested in in this and the challenges you faced, and everything that you know, we sort of been talking about. I mean, yeah, I, I just, I mean, it seems to me like photography itself is kind of like, what does that mean, photography? It's kind of like a floating signifier, right? And right now, it's the meaning of that as uh, you, as I hear you say it has been fixed in a very clear way. And it means all these different things around, you know, making money advertising and, you know, shilling, whatever, shilling yourself and all this. Um, and uh, maybe all of these other deeper dimensions that you've been talking about have been sort of pushed to the side, but that's not to say that the meaning of photography is fixed once and for all. Right. And I, it seems to me like having the conversations with people about, their practice and what it means to them um, and the nature of art and images in general is essential to challenging that, that partial fixation of meaning, you know, that sort of says photography is this thing, um, you know, it's taken for granted, this is what it means and you don't really want to associate with elements of that, that's what I'm sort of hearing and I don't blame you based on the way you've characterized it, but part of <laughs> But part of, part of me is like um, how can you fight the good fight against that status quo? Um, is it better to be engaged you know and do that from the inside or to you know to sort of do that from from the sidelines? I don't know that's that's a really good question. I mean that's very similar to the way in which we think about meaning in in the Catholic context. I mean, where can I best do good? I'm not trying to say that i'm I'm fighting against well I am fighting against the status quo certain you know, distorted or truncated understandings of the gospel. Um, uh, you know, is it better for me to engage that head on and stay involved in the work I'm involved in, or is it better for me to, you know, uh, give up on that? I'm not saying that's what you're, you're saying, you know what I mean? But like, there's an interest, there's sort of a parallel there. I don't know. Maybe I'm making a connection that doesn't exist.
0: No, it's, uh, you know, all I can think about when you said that is, is it better to be, uh, a teacher, a priest, a missionary, uh, you know, somebody working in a homeless shelter, like what's the best expression of your faith, let's say. And I, I think in the same way, uh, I love photography, but, um, yeah, what, what hell am I going to die on? Am I going to be somebody that's going to commit to, uh, one of those things that you talked about, the a commercial existence as a professional photographer, uh, um an existence as an art expressionist one's uh like a, a mole man who creates an archival history of photography by themselves and posthumously is discovered you know someone who's going to be on a podcast talking shit about it somebody who teaches i mean there's so many roles right um and then the sort of more ambiguous question particularly modern question can you straddle more than one line can i also be you know x y and z and maybe not a b and c i mean you know, and only time will tell um but that's exactly—that's a great, you know. That's exactly it. Is uh, I don't know, um, and I think I have to choose one or two soon. Uh, I maybe not so much choose intentionally, but I need to just let this happen Yeah. <laughs> and find yeah, a space where yeah, yeah, yeah. it fit. Yeah. Yeah. But one thing I do know is Yeah. 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 Yeah right?
1: like Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting.
0: Well, so I think there's something there.
1: You know, that split that you have been sort of describing right in the photography world and where you stand and where you fit in that um, uh, both as an artist and as a sort of entrepreneur and whether or not that's the distinction, but, you know, the way in which those two things connect. And I have a public persona as a theologian and I also have a private persona, right? And I mean, <laughs> yeah. and those two things, um, they should be integrated.
0: <laughs> well, you know what'll happen is, uh, as the years go by and that wall gets fuzzy and fuzzier, they will, whatever, whatever side you lean towards. In the yeah. yeah. Is, uh,
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm it's... struck as well. I, I'm, I'll leave you with this as well, but I'm I, sorry. I'm just, I haven't had many interactions this week. I've been trying to write a paper and that's why I've been late getting back to you every time. Um, the, um, I struck by how there's like a vocational piece to everything that we've been talking about, especially in the last 45 minutes. That may be an interesting conversation too. I don't know.
0: Uh, As soon as money gets involved, the conversation changes. Yeah.
1: Anyways. Very good, Dave. Very good. So,
0: that was my chat with Nick. From the conclusion, hopefully not the last, is it better to challenge my beliefs from within the game of professional photography or from the sidelines? Is there a way to straddle different roles and definitions of this craft without losing my core beliefs? Or perhaps, should I be more humble and use these experiences to challenge those beliefs to find new lines, new hills to die on? Uh, Who knows? This is why more conversation is needed, and I'm always open to hearing your input. Here's a final note from one of our sponsors, and I'll be working to release episodes each week so don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast and definitely connect with me. Share with me your opinions and thoughts so that this conversation can continue to develop. There's nothing like the feeling of putting a smile on someone's face. Enter ATB Goodness Grows, where one act of goodness can create a chain reaction across this province. Through Goodness Grows, ATB will be creating moments where Albertans can come together for a smile. Want to join in? Simply follow hashtag atbgoodnessgrows on social media to see all the goodness growing across Alberta. Follow along, get inspired, and help share the goodness. There's nothing like the feeling of putting a smile on someone's face. Enter ATB goodness Grows where one act of goodness can create a chain reaction across the province. Through Goodness Grows, ATB will be creating moments where Albertans can come together for a smile. Want to join in? Simply follow hashtag ATBGoodnessGrows on social media to see all the goodness growing across Alberta. Follow along, get inspired, and help share the goodness.